So if, if you're uh, watching online or wherever or joining us later down the road, um, let's, let's catch up real quickly. As I just told the group in here, we're going to finish 9, and we'll start at 9.13. Then I'll read all of 10. I'm going to do a little bit different tonight. I've been doing more of the just the teaching of <laughs> what this might be. And tonight I'm going to do a little bit of that, but I'm going to go through that a little quicker. And then um, I'm going to talk about closer to what would be a sermon normally. And that's why I say we're not going to do a lot of breaking down on some of this C.S. Lewis type stuff. But for those of you who want to stick after, we'll talk about all the possible scenarios. All right. We'll kind of do that down here in the front area. Uh, I know a couple of you at least when we get into the angels, uh, you really like talking about that and you know more than I do. So um, let's pick it up. It says, the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. It is said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates, and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000, 10,000 times. Uh, I don't like that translation. That's why I kind of ditched it a few weeks ago. Uh, it, most of them said 200 million. I don't know why they want to make me do the math in this one. But the number of the mounted troops, uh, I just read that. The horses and the riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, as yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire and smoke and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, sulfur, that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes and having heads with which they would inflict injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their, at their hands. Uh, they did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear walk, nor did they repent of their murderers, their magic arts. That's the words... Um, you know, the words that we get here are for pharmacy and, and for drugs and, and witchcraft, their sexual immorality and their thefts. Then I saw, starting in 10, then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. He was holding a scroll which lay open in his hand. He planted his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. He gave a loud shout like the roar of a lion when he shouted the voices of the seven thunders spoke and when the seven thunders spoke I was about to write but I heard a voice from heaven say seal up the seven thunders uh, what they have said and do not write it down then the angel I had seen uh, standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and he swore by him who lives forever and ever who created the heavens and all that is in them the earth and all that is in it and the sea and all that is in it and and said there will be no more delay that word is important but in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet the mystery of god will be accomplished just as he announced to his servants the prophet then the voice that i had heard from heaven spoke to me at once go take the scroll that lies open in the hands of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land so i went to the angel and i asked him to give me the little scroll he said to him take and eat it it will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Uh, it will. Uh, I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. 
Then I was told your prophecy must uh, be about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Now, I've told you this <laughs> so many times you're tired of hearing it. Depending on how you read Revelation is how you're going to read what we read tonight. It should still be back in the back, the intro to Revelation, uh, the four main ways that you read it. Is this literal? Again, depends on your interpretation. Is it... Uh, has it happened in the past? That depends, again, on your interpretation. I try not to give you too much of what I think on this because I, I want you to form your own opinions. Uh, well, I said that right. I don't want you to form your own opinions. I want you to be led by the Spirit on how you understand this Scripture. Now, I, I do personally believe that, uh, and I said it before, there's, there is a combination of literal, physical, uh, metaphorical and symbolic with all of this and for, for instance when John says like the Sun or like a lion I don't necessarily think he is seeing you know things exactly like that I think he is seeing things in this vision and I think he's writing down the way it looked to him and the uh, the way it might be the closest to him so it's kind of like in the south uh, and this may not just be in the south and, and, and I'm not making fun because this has happened recently to people that I know and trust and are very level-headed. But when you see on the news and they used to interview people about the tornadoes and they say it sounded like a train coming through, you know, we used to laugh at those people. But it seems like we've had more tornadoes the last few years. And I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, I know it sounds cliche. He goes, but it literally sounded like a train coming through our house. And so... A train did not go through his house. It just sounded like it. And that's kind of what John's saying here. It looks like the sun or his legs were like fiery pillars. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It doesn't have to be streets of gold. And um, But some of these things, again, if we go back to the letters to the church, then yes, I do believe that John spelled those things out exactly for them. And I believe that, that there is an angel, all right? But so... That's, that's how I read this, and you can put all that together. So tonight, I want it to do a little bit different, all right? I'm going to do like four parts to this, and we're going to end with what, it'll be quick, I promise you. We'll end with something that looks very similar to what would be a sermon, that if I wanted to preach it, I would, I would just pull this out. But I want us to start in the middle of your notes there, just with some historical stuff. Three real quick things, and the first one is about the Euphrates. The Euphrates that it talked about there is on the eastern border of the Roman Empire. So it, uh, you know, when it talks about these angels come th from the Euphrates, and the river originates in Armenia, and it touches Turkey, Syria, Iraq, until uniting with the Tigris. Now, this is important if you read this in a historical sense, and strictly historical, it is very important for you. So the Parthians were uh, across the river, on that side, and the Romans had been defeated by them twice. Now, could this be, could they be the demonic angels that are unleashed? If, in fact, you believe the angels are demonic, or are they good? We'll get into all that here in just a moment as well. So could the Parthenians be the actual angels that God has unleashed? 200 million troops, is that literal? Well, most people say it's figurative, but some people that use the Turkish Muslims as the people inside this that are reading this into the Muslims are the ones that are bringing on judgment. They say if you add up all of the Muslim armies or the Turkish armies over the world, over the course of time, that you can come up with 200 million. 
So at a reading of this in the first century, people would go 200 million. There's no way. But if you take China and India and the surrounding Asian countries around them, 200 million is not hard to come up with today. So that's just some historical stuff that as we read into this, that, that yes, we know the Euphrates is real. That's not a river that John just envisioned. We know that the Parthenians actually did this, and they come in and conquered. Is that who God's talking about here? So just some historical stuff. Now, I want us to move on, if we will, to something probably uh, a, a little deeper than that, and, and that would be um, some things that, we like to talk about, maybe even like to argue about, but are, are not quite as important maybe in the grand scheme of things as what we'll get to. Uh, it starts there in 13. The voice comes from the horns of the altar. If you remember back, we first saw this in, uh, I think it was chapter 5, where all the martyrs were under them and they were praying and talking about the horns of the altar. Well, that goes back to the Old Testament. Remember, in the Holy of Holies, there was the altar there, and the, the high priest had to offer the blood on the altar, on the horns there. So that's where we get that from. And, and that's what we're talking about. As the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. And it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpets, so a voice is coming from this altar. It's not coming from an angel. It's coming from this altar. The next thing, I want you to skip down a few and think about this. Are the seals, bowls, and trumpets, are they sequential? In other words, do they go in order? Um, are they just a picture? Or could it be both? You know, could it be metaphorical? Could it be sequential? Then as we look a little bit further, it says that one-third of mankind is going to be killed. Now, if you couple that, if you put it with a few chapters before in 6-8, where it said one-fourth is going to be killed, if you put one-third and one-fourth together, that's a lot of people. So over half the population is going to be gone by this point. Some people say, no, 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 it's including that. Some people don't. Again, not, not anything we want to fight over. Uh, but remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24-22, if the days were not shortened, nobody would survive this. Remember, this is this tribulation time that's going on. He's like, how long is this going to last? How long is this? Again, depends on how you read the, how you read the book. Uh, so then uh, go down to all this other stuff. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red and dark blue and yellow sulfur. And their heads uh, of the horses resembled the heads of lions. So do we assign current symbols of war to this description. In other words, it would be really hard for John to picture 2023 are these, and I, I don't know, I would I had to have asked Adam or somebody, uh, I would say just a fighter plane. I don't know what we call them anymore, but uh, it, it would be hard for John to envision whatever the best military has to offer. But it'd be hard for him to even envision tanks, I would think. But some people assign that, that the horses are not really horses, they are tanks. Or some people go, these are horses, this is the Turkish army. Or were they even horses? 
Now, some are going to die by the initial fire here. Some's going to die by the smoke, and then some's going to die by the lingering fire of the sulfur. Again, we've talked about this. It's easy to explain with a, a volcano. So did John actually see horses? I'll let you come up with your conclusion on that one. So that's kind of the second tier I wanted us to look at. Now, there's a historical part that, you know, not it's not that important. You know, talking about the Parthenians conquering the Romans. I mean, if you read it into that, that's fine, but it doesn't. And then we get into that next group. And then we get into something a little more theological that helps us read it. So there are four angels bound to the Euphrates. The timing is exact and precise, all right? So we know something. We know God ordained it. Now, if I put a gun to your head right now, I know that's probably not a good thing to say in today's time, but if I made you make a decision right now, would you say they're good angels or bad angels? Now, you can come up with your conclusion tonight. You can go read later. You may already know. Different scholars disagree on this. Some people say that, first of all, good angels would not be bound. Why would they bound good angels? I mean, why were, why were they held up? And that's, that's a very good argument. And other people say, well, they're carrying out God's judgment, so they've got to be doing his will. Well, the counter argument to that would be, I mean, you can look at Cyrus, you can look at the Babylonians, you can look at the Assyrians, you can, I'm, I'm not going to call anybody's name today, just going to stay apolitical, but you can look at a lot of people over the course of history that have carried out God's judgment that were not godly people. So the demons, you got to realize, they, they think they're still going to win. They, they don't know yet. They don't know that it's over. So then if you really want to get argumentative, we'll go down to chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head, and his face was like the sun. Well, we say, man, that's, that's got to be Jesus. And some commentators say it is. And that, to be honest, I, I, it, it is a little bit of an older commentary that says that. It seems like more of the new commentary people agree that it's not Jesus and I go back and forth on these things because a lot of times the old commentaries breeds the best. The, the old, you know, uh, for instance, some of the Reformed theology did not come around to the last 100 years or so, 200 years. And you start reading the church fathers that, that maybe not Paul, but a generation or two after Paul that knows that that was discipled by somebody who was discipled by Paul, they didn't believe some of the things that we have today. And we have the fact that, you know, the Catholic Church changed a lot of things, especially with Constantine, but then also the, the Reformation changed a lot of things. So sometimes the old commentaries are the best. Sometimes after 100, 200,000 years of study, we, of studying the original we come up with a little bit better. So there's arguments on both sides. Is this Jesus? Is this the archangel? Or is, just, is it just another powerful member of the angelic order? And is he good or bad? I'm, I'm sorry, that was the other ones. I don't, I don't want to get twisted too much. So look at what it says. I saw another mighty angel. We know he's mighty, all right? 
coming down from heaven. The people that say couldn't be Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have come down again. He was robed in a cloud. We, you know, I put it there that God is sometimes identified with clouds. You know, the cloud moved in the Old Testament, uh, which moved the people. You've got all the scripture there. Then, you know, it says the angel's face is like the sun. And according to some commentators, um, the angel of the Lord that appeared in the Old Testament, some people believe that could have been the pre-incarnate Christ. Well, the angel has a con uh, conquering posture, as you'll see on the back of your notes. Then the question becomes, would Jesus take an oath? Because as we see there, uh, then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives. Some people say there's Jesus doesn't have to take an oath, but then we've, we've got scripture here that, um, that I'm missing a comma on. Sorry about that. Um, we've got scripture here that doesn't say Jesus took an oath, but it's where God instituted. Catfish, did, I don't know if you have time. Put up Hebrews 6. Let's look at that, uh, 13 through 20, if you've got time. That's, that may be the only one I need tonight out of you. Uh, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you descendants. And, that, and that's, that's enough, Fish. That's, that gets the point of it there. God made the oath with himself. You say, well, Jesus didn't have to take oath, but God made that oath with himself. I'm not making an argument for you. I'm just pointing it out to you. So here, here's what we have, and then we're going to kind of switch over. What, what do we know? What's going on? These six trumpets have been blasted. We don't have the seventh one yet. What are these seven things? Well, each trumpet becomes uh, another judgment released by these angels that started. This is during the time of tribulation. Now, if you are a pre-trib reader of this, then you have went back and you have, right after the letter to the churches, you're saying that Jesus has already come back and he has ushered out all of his people. That's where the rapture, the rapture people get this. And they say Jesus has raptured out his church and nobody that's going through this is a believer. Well, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory. I, I am not a pre-trib uh, pre person. Uh, the argument to... The counter-argument to that is there, there's people in the world today that are going through trials and tribulation. In the West, yes, we don't suffer uh, for, you know, believing in Jesus. But all over the world, people are being persecuted. In Iran and China, they have the churches underground and so many other places. So that, that's the, kind of the counter-argument to that for people like me. Again, it's not anything we want to disagree on or fight on. I'm perfectly fine if all of us are raptured out. But this going on right now is the judgment. And, and it says, and see, I go back to Matthew 24. If the time were not cut short for the elect, nobody would make it. So I, I believe that there are people here on earth. So there, there's things going on. People are wiped out. And which brings us, in, in my opinion, to the message tonight. So all this crazy stuff's going on that we haven't been able to explain the first trumpet and the second trumpet, and we, we think we can come up with explanations. Is it volcanoes going off? Is it meteor showers coming down? Uh, what would these, I mean, is this an angel? Is it an eagle? Does he have fiery legs? Is he breathing fire? I mean, this is some crazy stuff going on. The four winds of the earth, you've got all this stuff. And, and Jesus said, it's just like crazy. And it's, it's kind of like, 
in the last 20 years, it seems like every movie that Hollywood's come out with has either been comic, like whatever it's the two comics are, Marvel and DC, or it's like end of the world or that dystopia stuff. I, th I know that's three things. But it's like, it's doomsday. There, there just doesn't seem to be any more thrillers and mysteries anymore. But you've seen them all. You've seen these end of the world things where all these cataclysmic events happen. And we don't know. I mean, it, it may look like some of that stuff. So all of that's going on. And But here, here's... This, 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 look, this is great. In the midst of all this, this is what I want us to get from it tonight. So let's let's look at this. Let me flip over to my notes here. Second um, Peter three nine. Fish. I didn't give that to you, but if you, I'll give you time to look it up. I want I want us to really look at four things here that that are going on. And um, let me let me read. The, well, so. I'll just paraphrase it again. What what is John told to do? He's 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 told first of all this angel's coming down. He's holding a scroll, and there, there's clouds. He's coming with the clouds, and there's a rainbow up above him. Now the rainbow does not mean LGBTQ. Okay, got to go back. The rainbow is important, but not important in that sense. I want us to go back and look at this. Um, look look at Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance now this is an important verse honestly when we read this so what 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 is the rainbow when you go back to the to noah the covenant with noah the rainbow signified that i will never flood this earth again it, in other words it is god's mercy at least in my opinion it is. It signifies God's mercy. So when we see this angel come down, he's surrounded, he's got the rainbow around him. Uh, we, we First thing we see is God's mercy. We also see the clouds, which is the presence of God. So even though this is going on, even though these crazy events are going on, God is still in control. And you say, well, why didn't God just end it right away? Because of his mercy. Honestly, people are still having a chance to repent. But notice what it says about them. Go back to 9, starting in 20 fish. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols and gold and all the things, nor did they repent of their murderers. So all this stuff's going on. And they still don't get it. And what did, what did the Apostle Paul say? Those that are of the Spirit understand the Spirit and walk by the Spirit. And those that are not don't have the Spirit. They don't understand it. So the, these people's hearts are hardened and they don't see it. They don't see, hey, this is a time to repent. Now, there are a chance for people to repent. Obviously, or it wouldn't say this, nor did they repent. Because if they couldn't repent, it would say it. So we've got all these crazy things going on. And people say today... Uh, man, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world. How do you read Revelation and go back to that? What, what's going on right now? Some people say we're in the seventh church right now. Some people say that's already over with. But some people say we're in the sixth, um, sixth or seventh church. Some people say this, the sixth trumpet. Some people say that we're living in the tribulation right now. And, and 
whatever your stance on that is, we're living in some pretty weird times. I know most of you in here are older. There's a few young people. I mean, look, I'm 47 now. I'm getting to the point where I'm getting close. I'm getting close to being out there on Friday with y'all on, other than being a pastor. Uh, I'm getting very close. But 20 years ago, if you'd have told me what's going on in America today, I'd have been, yeah, there's no way. There is no way somebody be leading our military. I don't know if the guy is a woman or a man and thinks he's, he thinks he's whatever he's not. I, whatever that guy is that wears lipstick and a dress, I guess he's a man. If you just said one of those people are going to be leading the U.S. military, I'd be like, yeah, right. That's, that's never going to happen in America. And it's not just that. It's so many other things. And so people look at this and they go, you know, they read out of Revelation, Lord, come quickly. Just, just come and end all of this. But this is where we have to say, God's still giving people a chance to repent. And so as, as believers and as followers of Jesus Christ, this should convict us to keep sharing the gospel because God is, is slow uh, to, to bring forth his judgment. And then we get to the scroll. And, and look, we'll, we could talk about this for a day. Was it literal? You got to go back to Ezekiel. This is where this come from. For my people that always like that, Ezekiel 2, I'm not going to read it because it's a full chapter, 2, 10 through 3, 3. Uh, Ezekiel had to eat the scroll. Now, Ezekiel was only sweet. John's was, it said it tasted good, tasted like honey, but it, once it got in your stomach, it turned sour. And there's a couple of parallels to that. Number one, as the preacher, as the messenger, sometimes the Word of God is very sweet to us, but we have to deliver it. It, it becomes bitter because people don't follow it and I'm not saying me I'm, it could be you that we we tell the lost world but people don't live it so it's bitter and sweet there but it's also bitter and sweet in this sense that we have God's salvation which is sweet like honey but it's bitter that people are not repenting and not turning to Christ was the scroll literal did 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 he literally devour a scroll was it the same scroll that we see earlier that only the lamb could open was it a small version of that did they have a you know a 3d copier and shrink it down you know how do you read revelation but understand this what's god telling john right here because then he says i mean this this is so rich we could go for days on this he's like you you just you remember it but you can't write this down and that's, that's to say this to me, at least to me, this is what I read this, like I'm not ready to reveal everything to everybody. I'm, 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 I'm going to tell you what some of this stuff is going to happen and whether you think it's lions or horses. And by the way, you know, a lion is supposed to be the most majestic. And one of the commentators said, if you've never been on an African safari and woke up to a lion roar, I'm like, I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know that I want to be in a tent and just hear a lion roar. But... It's, and that's kind of what it's talking about, like a lion. But as, as we look at this and we, and we think about what God is telling John here, he told him to eat the scroll. What is he basically saying? He is saying this, you've got to devour all of this and let it change you. And, and that's really the message for us. We, we have to devour what God gives us and, and let it change all of us. And 
yes, there's that bitter sweetness to it. God's word is so sweet to us, but it should move us to repentance. It should move us to, to sorrow. And as the biblical word, lament, because people are not turning to Jesus Christ. But when we read this, it's, look, it's okay to debate it. It really is to talk about it. You know, I mean, we could probably sit here for the next two hours and debate over, is it Jesus or is it just another angel? Are they good angels or they bad angels? Was it the Turkish army or was it, you know, we could do all that. But here's the point to all of it. There is God's grace and God's mercy. Through all of this, we, everything points to Jesus. He is not slow, as some think slow, but he's delays. I forgot to go to my word there. It's in there. It's, it's over there in verse, uh, I can't even see my glasses, six. There will be no more delay. That's, that's what John's talking about there. God's, God's delaying for a chance for people to repent and turn. Now, what does this do for us? It should move us, again, as I said, to repentance ourselves, but it should move us to just, good old southern term, get off our butts and get something done and share the gospel with others. And, and that's, that's what we want to get to. So now, we're almost halfway through. There's 20, 21, unless I'm crazy, I think it is. I hadn't even looked at the end lately. Uh, I, I get bogged down. I think it's, no, it's 22, so I'm wrong. It is 22. So after next week, we'll be halfway done uh, with Revelation. We're still in the midst of this. We're not going to get the seventh trumpet yet, so we're still in the midst of this, opening and unleashing all this stuff, and eventually we'll, we'll get to, to Armageddon. And by the way, I was looking at it last week. I almost th thought about skipping ahead and giving you that message on the millennial because we haven't got there yet. And, and so some people, when I say that, you know, it's talking about, what are you talking about, the premillennial? Are you premillennial? Are you pre-trip? So it's going to explain all that as we go. All right? Thank you for being here. Let me pray, and then I want to say a word to you. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you that you are slow to your judgment, Father. We, we deserve your judgment. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve mercy. Thank you for being good to us. Help us. Help us to light a fire under us and just get the gospel to people so that, that if they live through this or go through it, they don't have to suffer the eternal hell because of Jesus. Let that just move us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your...